0: Well, good morning. Uh, We are glad you guys have joined us here for our last Sunday of the fall, our Christmas Sunday. So if you guys haven't had your fill of Christmas songs, we're going to come back and sing a little bit more this morning. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. If you guys will open your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. Uh, as you guys turn there, uh, Marcy and I have already started our Christmas shopping, and it reminded me of a story this uh, week of uh, a good friend who, in college, uh, his parents told him he was going to be getting a brand new car, and so he was all geeked out, excited, uh, trying to wrap up finals, and he got home, and his parents uh, were way, way excited about the car that they were going to be giving him, and so he really kind of began to put together that his parents were going to be getting him that sports car he had always wanted, all right? And so he was, had all kinds of imaginations and expectations of what was coming Uh, He began to think that maybe girls would finally take him seriously seeing what he was driving, right? Uh, He imagined pulling up to that stoplight and seeing a guy uh, right next to him and to give him that nod, a look of approval and respect, right, for what he was driving. Um, He kind of had all these fascinations, all these imaginations as to what was going to come about. And so his parents actually tried to make the moment pretty dramatic, and they pulled him out in front of the house because the car was going to be delivered to their front doorstep. And so they kind of pulled him out, and so there he was kind of on the front steps of the house waiting on this car to show up. He was just imagining this converted sports car, brand new, shiny, just way, way excited about it. And what came around the corner and stopped at his very feet was nothing like what he was thinking. In fact, what stopped at his feet was what we know as a Toyota RAV4. Now, (laughs) some of y'all may own RAV4s. I know about three or four of our college staff members own and drive RAV4s. Now, keep in mind, they're all women, all right? Which is why, I don't want to be sexist, but I think the RAV4 may be the most feminine sports utility vehicle out there, all right? Um, I think, frankly, it, it, it has no business calling itself a sports utility vehicle, all right? There's nothing sporty about that, nor utilitarian, all right? Um, the words cute, petite might describe that, right? But not utilitarian, right? And in fact, uh, the RAV4 that pulled up and stopped in his house and in his front steps wasn't even that halfway cool shade of red. It was like a, a purple meets red horrible combination uh, that for the next four years made him the laughing stock anytime he was driving around. town. we just razzed him constantly about his cute, precious little car, right? Um, I think for that poor fellow, though, that that RAV4 really didn't fit at all the drama of the moment, right? He was sitting there with all kinds of anticipations of what was coming. He was sitting on his front steps, and that car didn't meet the moment, right? It didn't fit with the drama. I don't think it fit at all with his expectations of what he thought was going to show up at his doorstep. And every Christmas when we look at Luke chapter 2, I think the same thing. I think what gets delivered to us in Luke chapter 2, I think frankly doesn't fit the drama of the moment. I don't think it would have at all fit with the expectations Israel had as we open in Luke chapter 2. And so we read it already, but I want you guys to open back to Luke chapter 2. We're going to find that an angel is going to appear to a series of shepherds. And what I think occurs in the interaction that occurs blows my mind every time. Because what's going to be delivered to us in Luke chapter 2 and what we celebrate every Christmas is the birth of a baby, right? It's going to be a baby in a manger in a stall, not in an inn because there wasn't any room. And I think for all the expectations Israel had of a king who was going to come, one who was going to remove the Romans who were ruling over them and oppressing them, one who was going to bring shalom and peace and, and wholeness and joy, that what was delivered to them, I think, surely for them, must not have fit the moment and fit their expectations. Look with me, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Notice as we kind of come upon these uh, shepherds their first Christmas, notice the, the setting, verse 8, Luke chapter 2. In the same region, there was some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. They were just minding their own business, and that first Christmas, not paying attention at all, just on to normal life, and then everything changes. Verse nine, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. I think as you look at that first Christmas, there was expectations and imaginations that were running wild for the nation of Israel. Throughout the Old Testament, they had all kinds of promises as to what was coming. They looked forward to one who was going to reign and to rule over the face of the earth. All fall, we've been talking about and walking through a series on heaven and hell, we've been talking all fall about a king who was going to come. A king who was going to set up a kingdom that was going to be established that would lead to an eventual eternal reign on the earth. Israel was waiting on this king. And here comes an angel and he's going to have a dream, but notice the decree that he's going to give to these shepherds. Look at what the angel says, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, The angel provides an amazing decree to these shepherds and says, hey, uh, great news for you. (laughs) There is one who is coming that's going to fulfill all that you've been expecting. And really, the angel, in a sense, title drops. He says that this one who's coming is going to be Savior. He's going to be Christ. He's going to be Lord. He drops three titles on the shepherds that they knew exactly what it meant. Uh, in sixth grade, uh, one of our biggest events in sixth grade was we went to this place called Enterprise City, all right? It was like this little uh, makeup, fake belief town, and we all went there for a day. We trained for it all semester. We got there, and we all had different roles, and our teachers assigned us different roles, different jobs we had. So some people were mayors, some people were the DJ, some people were cashiers at the snack shop, all right? Uh, I was uh, given the the great title of bank vice president, all right? And so uh, I was the second highest paid person in the city. So even as a sixth grader, I was materialistic, all right? I was ready to make some money, all right? Uh, I was sixth grade, though, and the best part of that whole thing was once the teachers assigned roles, then the discussion occurred, you know, hey, what's your job? What are you doing? What are you doing? And to be able to sit there and say to people, well... I'm going to be bank vice president, and I think you know what that means, right? Um, you know, and, and I think that there's a sense in which everyone knew a bank vice president meant. It meant I was going to make a lot of money, I was going to control your money, and I was in control of the world, all right? I think really as the angels drop a series of titles on uh, these shepherds, the shepherds knew exactly what these titles meant. Uh, he called it the, the one that was going to come was going to be Savior. Savior was going to be the one who rescued them out of trouble. For the nation of Israel, under Roman rule, they were looking for rescue. And even throughout the Old Testament, much of the rescue they're looking for is primarily not spiritual. (laughs) When you throw out the word salvation in the Old Testament, most of what Israel is expecting and hoping for is removal and rescue from physical trouble and calamity. So as they waited for a Savior to come, they were looking forward to one who was going to reign and remove all enemies to the nation of Israel. That's what they were looking for. A Savior not just that was going to remove them from physical trouble, but also spiritual trouble. That's what this one was going to do. But this one in particular was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the chosen one. In fact, for the nation of Israel, they looked at their vast history and they've been waiting generation after generation for one who is going to come to bring to fulfillment all of the promises of the Old Testament. King after king failed. Uh, Judge after judge failed. No one raised up and was able to fulfill what Israel had been expecting and waiting for. And yet here comes the angel and he says to the shepherds, here comes one who's did chose the one, the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. In fact, this one is not just going to be a rescuer from troubles. He's also going to be a ruler over those troubles because he's going to be Lord. Savior Christ and Lord. The angels just name drop on these shepherds and the shepherds knew exactly what the angels were talking about. A rescuer from trouble, a ruler over trouble, one who is the chosen one, one that the entire Old Testament and the entire nation of Israel, generation after generation, had been waiting for. This is the one who was coming. This is the one who they'd been promised. This is the one that they were expecting. Expectations, imaginations, I think were running wild, but these angels drop off one last delivery. Look at verse 12. This will be a sign for you. Here's how you are to know the one that it is to be. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Verse 12. I think everything is on par and then verse 12 hits and I think we've read Luke chapter 2 so many Christmases, so many times, it's so familiar that I think we miss a little bit of the shock of it. Here is the sign. Not a ruler, not a prince, not a king, but a baby. (laughs) A baby that just cries and just sleeps, that seems harmless A baby who doesn't seem to have any right or reign to a throne or a kingdom or a power. And yet this is the sign, this is the one they were waiting on. I think if I were there in that time, I would have thought, surely this seems to be not so fitting for the drama of the moment, right? This doesn't really seem to fit with all the expectations I would have had if I were part of the nation of Israel. And yet we're going to see the angels in a minute praising God and and responding in great worship. In many ways, I think a baby that was sitting there really isn't what I would have thought about, right? In fact, think about the arrival of this baby. There's no room in the inn. It's in a manger. Literally, the manger denotes a, a, a horse feeding stall, all right? And this isn't a glorious beginning at all for the king of kings, all right? I think, frankly, as you look at the picture, it's frankly just humiliating. It's as minimal and it's as inglorious and it's as common as can possibly be. Um, Marcy's family has a, a reoccurring joke, as any family does. There's certain insults that occur from uh, year to year that always occur. Um, in Marcy's family, if you ever do anything absolutely stupid or idiotic, the, the immediate insult that comes back is this. Were you born in a barn? <laughs> uh, are you that stupid, right? Are you on the par of an animal that was born in a barn? Are you that kind of person, all right? And for Marcy's family, and I think for any of us, as you look at that picture, there's something just wrong, <laughs> Why in the world is the king of kings in a barn? <laughs> Why in the world is the king of kings not has a reservation in the inn? Why is this so common of a picture? What is going on? I think you're going to see the angels respond in worship. Look at verse 13. Look at what happens to the angels. And suddenly there appeared with an angel with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom we are pleased. The angels respond in great glory and worship because I think they approach the first Christmas with baggage that we don't bring. Or do we have baggage that I don't think they bring to that first Christmas? I think for you and I, we want grand arrivals, right? When someone walks out a room, we want a big entrance, right? In the state of Texas, we want everything bigger and better, right? Um, every Christmas, I will admit to you guys, one of my favorite things to do is I love to go to the Ultimate Texas Christmas Experience, we call it Santa's Wonderland here in town, all right? Um, that's how they market themselves, the ultimate Texas Christmas experience, all right? It's just that name itself, that marking line itself just gets your attention, right? It's huge, all right? 2.5 million lights, all right? Uh, You can stretch the strands of lights out and cover over more than a mile, all right? I absolutely love going to that place, all right? Even before we had a little girl, Caroline, I would literally, we would offer to babysit kids so that we could go to Santa's Wonderland just so we didn't feel so bad about being grown adults wanting to go every year, all right? And and also didn't feel so bad about paying an arm and a leg to get in that place, all right? Uh, But I absolutely love that kind of deal, all right? I love the glory of it. I love the lights. I love the big kind of blowout kind of deal. And yet that first Christmas was nothing like Santa's Wonderland, all right? There was a star that was shining, the Bethlehem star, but other than that, there's no glory, there's no pomp and circumstance for that first Christmas. It was flat, I think, humiliating. If you think of the King of Kings, the second person of the Trinity arriving on earth, why did the King of Kings arrive this way? Why did uh, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Savior Christ and Lord, why did he arrive in a manger in a stall with no room in the inn? Why was it so common? And, and frankly, I think at some level, so humiliating. Paul's going to pick up that same theme in the book of Philippians. And notice what he says in chapter 2, verse 8, speaking of the humiliation of Christ. He says this, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, the book of Philippians is where we're going to be next spring and spend uh, every Sunday and We're going to walk through the book of Philippians. But I think Paul n- nails it right on the head. Notice he picks up that the, the humiliation of Christ really was in two different ways. One, it was in his incarnation. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Earlier verses in chapter 2 speak of Jesus Christ leaving the glories of heaven and having equality with God, yet not grasping it and leaving that behind and taking on this form of not just human nature, but that of a servant. He took on, even in his incarnation, it was a process and it was a step of utter humiliation. The king of kings stooping low so that he could come on and identify with us and take on human nature. Even as you think of Jesus Christ, I think his arrival was as minimal as it gets, and his departure was as criminal as it gets. Paul will pick up that second piece the end of chapter, uh, verse 8. He says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In his arrival, it was as minimal as it can get. And in his departure, it was as criminal as it gets. His arrival and his departure were absolutely humiliating. Why? Why could his arrival be so minimal? Why did the king of kings enter earth like this and in this kind of way? Why? Why not more of a grand arrival? I think verse 9 kind of gives us a little bit of the answer as Paul goes on and he says this. Here is the purpose, Christ's exaltation. His humiliation led to exaltation, which is why Paul says in Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's a huge truth in Christmas that you and I often miss. That humiliation leads to exaltation. That it was in Christ stooping low that led to his being raised high. It was in Christ's willingness to die that he would be raised a new life. That Christmas, really the wonder of Christmas, not to be trite and rhymey, is not what is under the tree, but what it comes from humility. The real wonder of Christmas is not what is under the tree, but what comes from humility. The gift of humility and what it brings you and I is an eventual exaltation. All fall we've been talking about heaven and hell and we began to talk about the here and the now and really one of the things I want you guys to hear is even when we look at the first Christmas and then look at the Christmases that we have is this. That humility leads to an exaltation that you and I never see, never grasp and is not instinctual. That when you and I bend low what comes from that is great reward and great exaltation. Our whole world says the bigger the better, right? Right? Our whole world says, enter in with a grand arrival. Our whole world says, get yours and make sure you're taken care of. Our whole world says, don't bend low. (laughs) Be self-entitled. Take what is yours and be bold. And yet, I think what Christmas shows you and I is that when we humble ourselves, when we bend our knees low and we bend down and we serve, with that comes reward and comes exaltation. I think the wonder of Christmas is what comes when you and I serve and when we're humble. And so what I want to do is I want to challenge you guys in some really practical ways as you guys take off uh, for Christmas break, when you guys actually get done with finals, and that's this. When you get home this Christmas, I want you guys to find ways to serve. When you guys get home this Christmas, I want you guys to find ways to be humiliated. As weird as that sounds. When you guys get home this Christmas, I want you guys to find some really practical ways to model the humiliation and the incarnation of Christ. Who is willing to stoop low, who is willing to die, who is willing to serve on behalf of you and I. We would not have eternal life. We would not have a hope and a celebration of Christmas if it wasn't for Christ's arrival. But we celebrate his arrival also in light of his departure and when she died on our behalf so that we could have new life. Not that we could earn God's approval, but what he gives us in the incarnation and eventually in the crucifixion is we find the means to approval before God is not on the basis of what we do, but on the basis of what he's done. He showed up so that he could stand in our place and he died so that we would not have to die. And it is through his death that we have forgiveness of sins so that we can have new life and new hope and a reason to celebrate. And a reason also to be able to bend low and to not hold on to things because ultimately we know who holds on to history. That's Jesus Christ. Ultimately, give you guys a few examples of when you guys get home. Uh, I realize when you guys get home, the first thing that you guys are going to do is sleep for three days straight. That's just kind of what happens, right? Um, And you guys are looking longingly toward that because you've not slept in 48 hours, which is why you guys drain our coffee, which is great. That's awesome. Uh, But once you guys actually sleep for three days straight and have mom do your laundry and have her cook or your dad, whoever that is, uh, and all of your needs are seemingly taken care of, and you can breathe and look up again and actually function, I want to challenge you guys to find ways to serve in your home. All right? Find some ways to just actually serve in your home. All right? If you actually cook or you clean, I can guarantee you your mom and dad are going to go, what in the world happened? Right? <laughs> They're going to back, back up and be shocked. I want to challenge you guys this Christmas, find some ways to bend low and to humble yourselves and to serve. I think the greatest way that you can do that is in your home. And I often find that it is often in my home, it is often with my family, and particularly for you guys as you go back home under the roof of your mom and dad um, or, or whatever family situations that you're stepping into, that it is often sometimes the hardest to be humble. It is the hardest to bend low because you've been on your own all semester. You go back home where there's rules and you don't feel like you're your own person anymore and you have to bend low and you have to serve. Let me challenge you, find ways to serve this Christmas. So you guys go back home, get your needs met at some point, but then quickly begin to think, hey, how can I serve? How can I care for a sibling? How can I be a blessing to my parents? How can I wrap some gifts? Find some ways to be on the lookout so that you can bend low and that you can serve. Second thing I want to challenge you guys to do is find ways to share your faith at home, all right? Some of you guys can go and step back toward families that don't know Jesus Christ. Some of you guys can going to return home to f- high school friends that you've not connected with in a long time, and you have an opportunity to tell them what Jesus Christ has been doing in your life. Maybe this semester is the first time you met and you know Jesus Christ, the first time you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe this semester has been a time that you've known Jesus Christ, but he's really, in really powerful, significant ways, changed your life. I want to challenge you, find ways this Christmas to share that. It is often quite humbling, especially with the people who know us the best and know sometimes what we were, to begin to speak of the life change that we've begun to experience. And so let me challenge you to bend low and to find ways to be a an ambassador for Jesus Christ with family or with high school friends that may not know him at all. You have a great opportunity. Use it in the Christmas season to speak of him and to share of him. Last little quick challenge I want to give you guys. I mentioned a minute ago, but we're going to uh, be covering the book of Philippians next spring, which is a great book. We're going to be covering that uh, Sunday Sunday, Sunday in, Sunday out next spring. I want to challenge you to memorize the book, all right? Uh, As we walk through it, I want to invite you guys to memorize the book with Marcy and I, all right? We're going to actually try to memorize the book of Philippians next spring, and if you are willing to memorize it, we're going to give you a free dinner, all right? So, I know you guys need free t-shirts or free, uh, you know, challenges, little little carrots, all right? So, if you can and will memorize the book of Philippians by the end of the spring, we're going to have you over and we're going to cook a dinner for you, all right? We're going to go all out, serve it up nice, and so we want to challenge you come be a part of that. Uh, You can get a head start this Christmas break when you have all kinds of time uh memorize if you can get it done uh, and recite it to me without error we're giving you dinner all right so get a head start uh this christmas break just a few quick examples of some ways that you guys can uh, use your break and walk with the lord uh somehow i've just completely lost y'all i don't know what happened there all right i don't know what happened all right maybe you guys are like free dinner i wonder what I'm really are gonna make i don't know um seem to be into it that's great all right memorize philippians all right um but uh, we want to end this morning with a little bit more time in worship and just, uh, again, coming, coming back to uh, the life, the incarnation, the humiliation, the ministry of Jesus Christ and reflecting on what he's done on our behalf. And so the band's going to come back up and we're going to end this uh, morning just uh, with some more time to reflect on what Christ has done in your life this semester and what Christ has done even in his life and his ministry and its impact on us. And so, you guys, just take some more time. We're going to worship this morning. You'll stand with me. Oh, Father, God, we give you great thanks for your marvelous wisdom. Who would have ever thought what began in a manger, what would seemingly end on a cross, would not be the end at all? Who would have ever thought that that one would rise and be exalted over all names, that every knee would bow, every tongue would eventually confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the King of kings, that he is the Lord of lords that he is the forgiver of sins, that he is the resurrector of life. Father, I pray that you would give us life in him. Father, that you would cause us to come to a place that we would trust you and trust your son for the forgiveness of sins, Lord. That as we look at Christmas, Lord, I pray that we were reminded of the power of humility, of what seems to be one thing on the surface, and yet what you accomplish in and through humble sacrifice, Lord. I pray that we would be those that would cast our life on the altar of sacrifice, that you would consume our lives as you see fit, that you would do with us as you desire. Father, I pray this Christmas break that you would draw us nearer to you, that you would allow us to be a blessing and an offering to those that are around us, Lord. I pray that you would use us for your glory and for your purposes, Lord, as we wait. For your second coming when you return and establish a kingdom that will have no end that will have no challenge and when you rest and you are arrive and you set up a kingdom that will be of righteousness and mercy we look forward to that coming to that day In this christmas lord i pray that you allow us to look towards the future seeing what began in humiliation yet will come and end with great glorification father we wait for your return we look forward to it, and we ask that you allow us to live with hope and with purity lord We ask for these things this morning through your son and by your spirit. Amen. You guys, thanks for being here this morning. We hope you guys have a great Christmas break and we will see you guys in January. God bless.